0: The biggest pain point that we hear from chief people officers and their peers, chief operational officers, CEOs, when it comes to data-driven HR is the inability to get to
1: truth. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Modern Business Operations Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Colliner, and I'm here with Laura Close, who is the co-founder and chief business development officer at Included. So just to start off, Laura, why don't you introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about your background and your current role?
0: Yeah. Hi, Seth. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm a big fan and happy to introduce myself to your audience. My name is Laura Close. I'm co-founder at Included AI, along with Ragu Golamudi and Chandangola. And my title inside the company is Chief Business Development Officer. And my background originates in the DEI space in the 1990s and thinking about opportunity and access and pathways through the civic infrastructure where the conversation really was at the time. And I served as a policy expert and strategist at that time. And fast forward to 2023, I've partnered with technology visionaries to really bring product to market that harnesses all of our best technology to help HR leaders get the data insights they need to make data-driven decisions that benefit all their employees.
1: Great. Thank you for that introduction. So let's just start by getting an overview of the current state of digital transformation in HR ops in that space. Because things, this has been true of so many different verticals and markets, but things have changed really fast in the last few years. So if you would just kind of set the scene for us, where are we today?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. HR technology originated in a very transactional way, right? Time cards, payroll, very fragmented, segmented, and transactional. We'd have one system for one item and one system for another. And so at current state, the majority of businesses are looking for ways to knit all of the HR data together in order to become data-driven engines inside the business. Now, how did we get here that HR seems to be the last department standing inside the business that doesn't have instant data insights at its fingertips, that is talking about its own digital transformation? Surely we've heard about digital transformation in other parts of the business. Sales, for example, has Salesforce. Engineering has continuous improvement, continuous deployment, CI, CD models with platforms such as Atlassian. Customer success has Zendesk, so forth, right? Marketing has Martech stack. And I think there's two fundamental reasons. One is that it took a long time for companies to commit to employee obsession and to want to unify all that data and create this digital transformation. And two, HR originally was a pink-collar work role, right? It was the domain of ladies, and it was the domain of secretaries. And so for all of these reasons, we are now living through a wonderful, beautiful revolution inside the HR technology space, and we're seeing digital transformation working its way through every company.
1: That's great. And excellent observation about the pink color part. That wasn't obvious to me necessarily at the top of mind. That certainly explains a lot, doesn't it? So that's how we got here. Can you tell us a bit about the technology part? Because every vertical has its own problems to solve. And so the the types of solutions tend to, they fit whatever problem there. What are some of the problems in HR that technology is able to address right now or that it is addressing right now?
0: It's a great question. I'm interested in the fact that you phrase it as right now because there's right now and then there's also what's next, right? So we originally had transactional tech solutions in HR. We could see who clocked in, who clocked out, who got paid, who's on leave. And then we began to have rudimentary reporting coming out of these systems. And if you spend all your days with chief people officers, heads of HR ops, heads of talent acquisition and DEI like I do, you'll hear them say that the reporting hasn't really turned the corner they're hoping for yet. There's a lot of pain associated with the current reporting capabilities out of what are historically payroll mechanisms. And so from there, what we're looking at is technology that's come to market to help. We're talking to an HR ops audience today, and so we've seen some technologies come to market to help smooth out and speed up processes, calibration, performance, engagement surveys certain digitization of things that we used to do manually for those of us who are a little older with paper or the origins of email. So we've got some interesting assets on the landscape. We have some digitized reporting. We have some digitized processes, right? But what we don't have is the ability for HR to engage in continuous improvement from the data. And that's really the emerging class of solutions that I founded software inside of.
1: I think we're backing into a little bit talking about AI right now. Is that right? Is that what we're about to talk about? It sounds like that's fueling that that need. It's about data, right? And so your company uses tons of AI, right? Can you talk a little bit about how specifically or broadly your company others are addressing that exact problem with technology right now, or HR too in the future?
0: Addressing the problem of using data to drive HR.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, let's see. So when HR departments first began their journey to want to become data-driven, they looked around and said, okay, we've got buckets of people data in a variety of locations, right? Some systems here, some systems there. And we got the advent of a profession, which is called people analytics, right? And what that is, is a math and data science-driven role that has been very historically an ivory tower sort of experience necessarily. So it's very complex work. I joke with my customers, it's like magicians or you know, mad scientists, like sitting over these piles of data, conducting mathematical and data science modeling, and then the senior staff will come visit them and ask for their insights, right? And you can imagine how many touch points, how many questions, how many weeks are put into this process, how many months, right, to extract it. And this is for very large companies that had the motivation to do this and the budget to do this. When we fast forward to the current state, what we're seeing is two things. One, the hunger for what's called people analytics, right? Information derived from these big buckets of data is so high that we have tons of people who have no math and science background at all working their fingers to the bone to get insights out of these buckets of data in various systems. And really, God bless all the people who are self-taught people analysts. I think between you and me, that they outnumber the number of trained people analysts, right? And that's a discovery that I personally have made in the last three years. It's just not possible for everyone to get the training, right? So what happens if we become obsessed with the way these insights are derived from the data and getting them faster to the right people? And that's really where the technology solutions that use AI and ML are now coming into play, which is can we go from sort of the renaissance where we had these like trained astrologers and physicians like sitting over the data, conducting experiments, can we go to a more mechanized process that's more delightful?
1: Delightful is a good word. It's funny that the leading edge of high tech, often we cut people out of that idea. And and AI is the opposite of that, right? If you take the people out, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't know what to do. It doesn't have a good question to answer. It doesn't have a good task to attack. And when people become very nervous about AI replacing jobs and that sort of thing, and They lose sight of what it is good for and what it can do and making the work experience more delightful, as you say, is that's so incisive because it speaks to how it's a people problem and not really a tech problem, right? It's tech helping people, not replacing people, but ideally replacing some of the work that they don't want to do. And on that note, there's, I'm sure you bump into this all the time. I'm sure you've, you've had to explain this a million times in the course of your work, but you know what AI is good for and what it's not good for, what it's good at and what it's not good at. Can you talk just broadly about where AI is really useful within HR and where it's really not?
0: AI is such an interesting topic in HR. When we founded our platform a little over three years ago and began doing market research, the level of terror around AI was so high that we had to use code words and be careful I think there's a famous quote, I think from Gandhi, I would butcher it, but it's basically like ideas are mocked before they're accepted. And this isn't the first time I've seen this process. In the 90s, the approaches we were taking to talking about DEI, for example, were considered very confrontational and confusing to a lot of people. Just this idea that all processes had bias embedded in them and It wasn't anything to be ashamed of, but we might become curious about it. We might measure it and see if we could course correct, right? And now you're just like, oh, yeah, of course, Laura. But like the time, it was considered extraordinarily dangerous conversation topic. And I really feel that the same thing has been happening with AI. I feel like I'm watching the same movie. And people have been like, oh, AI. And so initially, we were using sort of code language to be like, would it be nice if your technology, not saying AI, but like (laughs) your tech could act as an assistant to locate items of interest for you inside your mountains of data. People are like, oh yeah, and we'd be like, it's called AI. And they're like, fear, right? So I think I'm really excited to see these kinds of conversations happening. So it's important, one of the basic tenets of what's called ethical AI is the ability for the human to make the decision, not the technology, right? So for the example of our platform and similar technologies, What we're seeing is the ability for the platform to surface the hotspots in your HR data, right? The exact place. It's not just that we have attrition. It's that it's the Krakow office. It's on manager Paula's team at the L3 level among high performers. I call it take a horse to water. So the platform will say, here you go. And it's visible and drillable. And so there's nothing to be scared of if anyone's tuning in. It's like, oh my gosh, AI. And in fact, the function of AI and HR is to dramatically fast forward the whole organization to a point where it can behave like engineering, like sales, like marketing, like customer success, predict and identify and isolate the areas to stand up interventions, to get after it. But the leaders get to choose and decide.
1: This episode is brought to you by Tonkeen. Tonkin's process experience platform seamlessly wraps around existing policies and systems, allowing internal service teams to do more with what they already have. Build process experiences that are personalized for each requester, and use AI to automate the intake, triage, and resolution of every request. Maximize adoption, compliance, and efficiency with no change management and no code. Yeah, I like that example a lot, because, especially the horse-to-water metaphor, because it illustrates, again, how important the human component is. It's just like you said, it's getting you there faster. We actually don't know what the problem is with Paula's team, in your example. We just know that there is something there. We don't even know if there's a problem per se, right? We just know the analytics have surfaced something. And it says, here's a something, you should go check it out. And you need to go call the Krakow office and talk to Paula and, and go investigate and then use you know, your human intuition and your empathy and your you know wisdom to get in there and actually decide what the problem might be and how to solve it from there, which kind of raises the other side of it. Like, what is AI not good for in HR?
0: Yeah. You don't want to see a situation where AI is being used for the final mile decisions. It correlates to what you just said really nicely. I remember when I was first participating in what were DEI trainings in the very early 2000s all across the United States. And we would talk about some very important concepts that are now considered very normal and casual conversation. And at the time, people really needed to engage with. And at the end, folks would always come up and say, but what about everything we just learned in my unique situation? I have a variance every time. It's like clockwork, predictable, right? And you just called that out, right? We need the leadership at every company to be able to apply their judgment, right? So you don't ever wanna see AI taking the place of that wise judgment. And I'll flip it a little bit too, which is to say, rather than being exclusively obsessed with the data What happens when we become obsessed with the consumers of the data in HR? The HRBP has a huge role to play in the transmitting of data insights to the business unit leaders. It's a huge part of that HR process, right? And HRBPs have a super thankless job. Nobody is ever like, we love the HRBP. They made my life better. They get ignored. They get put away in the closet. But the HRBP needs to be able to apply their judgment as well. Like there's a reason they've been assigned to that business unit. It's for the highest good. There's a reason that they have bonded with the leader over that business unit it's because that leader has invested their HRBP with their KPIs, with their needs, right? And so with included platform and hopefully similar technology, the delivery mechanism is supposed to be delightful for the HRBP who can edit the final mile information for that business unit leader, right? So everyone needs to be able to carry the final mile. The AI should not be there.
1: Well, and so I wanted to add on a question to what you just said. You mentioned that HRVP is going to the next level up to advocate, to agitate, to do whatever they need to do, but they're reporting up. Can you speak to that a little bit? This comes up in pretty much every conversation that I have across every vertical that we talk to where they're trying to get closer to the C-suite. Some of them are. Some of them are trying to, but it just seems like the the refrain is trying to get closer to where the business decisions are being made, where the strategy is being laid out. And it sounds like HR is trying to do the same thing. And what if you can speak to that a little bit, taking those analytics, getting in there, figuring out some problems, coming to some convictions about it, and then they have to take it up. Can you talk about that a little bit and, and how that's going and where it needs to go?
0: The biggest pain point that we hear from chief people officers, and their peers, chief operational officers, CEOs, when it comes to data-driven HR, is the inability to get to truth. So again, we have the HR data stored in a variety of systems. And there are instances where it's stored all in one system, and we're still hearing this pain point. The extraction of the data, the ability to derive hotspots, trends, forecasts, outliers. And the ability to prove that this is true through being able to click and see the pathway through which this was achieved is just behind all other parts of the business. So, a COO or a CEO or a CFO, et cetera, is used to being able to validate information that's brought to them from other parts of the business. And with HR, there's an endless conversation. Our people data isn't ready, our insights were derived over the course of months to get to this one static report. Or we have a dashboard with a static view and a real-time feed coming through that static view, but no ability to correlate, right? So all the artifacts are kind of clunky, right? And so what we're looking at with the new tech is the ability for the C-suite person who's receiving this information in real-time, just in you know one click to be able to see and validate the entire pathway and the predictions, which is part of what AI can deliver, right? And that's what other business units have already experienced through their digital transformation.
1: I see. So we're back to kind of the original question about how HR tech is an underserved and overlooked, right? And so it sounds like HR tech is trying to catch up to exactly that spot. Is that, is that an accurate sort of summation of the problem we're at right now?
0: Yeah, I'd say. What's,
1: do you have any optimism about the when or the how of solving this problem?
0: Yes. So one of the interesting blockers right now is there is often no budget for HR to do what it needs to do, which is to undergo a digital transformation. So we have chief people officers in our customer portfolio who joke about that they knew it was time for the digital transformation, or they might have gotten pressure additionally from stakeholders who are ready to have that instant forecasting predictions, insights at their fingertips. And then they're like, okay, let's fund this. And then there's a whole other conversation. So I think as companies begin to experience what it looks like to move from a multi-staged process where the expectation is it's going to take us two years to knit this people data, create a dashboard, get self-service modules out to everyone, train them how to use it, hook up the data feed through all this. It's going to take years and millions, right? Right. As people begin to understand that the technology has arrived to collapse that window into months and a fraction of that an original spend, I think that we're going to see increasing desire to stay abreast and allocate that budget.
1: Great. Well, C-suite folks, I hope you're listening. The HR people need you to pay attention. What is the best advice you've ever received in your career? My career? Or anywhere.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, let's go back to, I'll just say, I think it's to support other women. And when we talk about HR transformation, one of the first comments I made here is that one of the things that's less discussed is the origin of HR as a pink collar secretarial function, right? And we're still seeing the faintest fingerprints of that still, right? It's significance in the company, in the line item, in understanding the care of our employees and the obsession with them. And it all rolls up and down to that concept. So when we, so when, for me, supporting other women Really looks like thinking critically about where is female leadership in the company? How do I publicly and privately when someone's not in the room, like sharing their name? And then also currently as a female founder of a software company, supporting other female founders in a space that needs to see more of us. It's always also equally exciting to see female venture capitalists supporting us. So the whole chain up and down.
1: Right. And in closing, is there anything you want to promote or share about yourself or your company? And, and if people want to contact you, what's the best way to do that?
0: I would say if there's anyone listening to this who's excited to assist their people analysts with removing all the grunt work, assist the VPs with looking like absolute rock stars to their business unit leaders and satisfying business unit leaders and CEOs and CPOs with the drillable insights that they need at their fingertips, then They should come contact me for sure. We're in the business of making life easier for HR. And my, should I give my email? Whatever you want. Well, you can find me at the website, first of all. It's included.ai. And my email is Laura, L-A-U-R-A, at included.ai.
1: Perfect. Laura Close, thank you so much for your time today and your insights. We very much appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much.
1: I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at tonkeen.com slash mbopod. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Tonkin community at tonkingcom community.